time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Welcome to Cats. Tonight on Cats. (laughs) (laughs) Meow, 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 meow. Thank you, Ryan. That was the intro I was looking for. Welcome to uh, welcome to our uh, y- after the credits of Yum Chunks podcast fiftieth uh, meow anniversary. <laughs> Dang it! This episode's going to be impossible. All right, this is. I mean, this was that was still ten times better than look like look what the cat dragged in oh. or <laughs> cat, cat got, got your tongue. tongue. Speaking of what the cat dragged in, who do we got today? We have Vince. How you doing, Vince? Uh, I feel like. Uh... Million uh, uh, kitty treats. I don't know. Oh. I've got nothing. This. Uh, what are we doing? And we have Sean. How you doing, Sean? <laughs> I'm rum tug ready. Okay. And we somewhere in here we got Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Meow. I'm good. There we go. There oh, we go. Good. Ryan. Ryan's, Ryan's it's a, a character. Full circle. Well, yeah. Like I said, this is a very special episode of After the Credits. This is our fiftieth episode. But, also, it's a double episode of sorts, because we are releasing this simultaneously with our 49th episode, which is on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So, um, if you're just joining us after listening to that episode, welcome, but if you haven't listened to it yet, after you listen to the madness that will unfold undoubtedly in the current episode, you can go back and check that one out. Now, uh, because there was so much to say about Star Wars, we skipped our... uh, chunk fire stories uh session that we usually have and saved it for this episode so um before we dive right into cats um we're gonna take a quick round around the chunk fire actually before we do that i want to mention that um very soon we're going to be doing our 2019 wrap-up episode the uh the yum chunks awards also known as the chunkies so be on the lookout for the link to the uh, google voting form where you can vote on your favorite movies and entertainment from the year 2019 and then on episode 51, in a few weeks, we will discuss the winners and our personal picks and whatnot. So the link to that should be in the episode description and on our social media and whatnot. So keep an eye out. But uh, let's, take a, let's take a little trip around the fire. Gents, uh, who wants to begin? Someone jump in. Uh, I'll, I'll throw some chestnuts on this open chunk fire. Sure. Uh, uh, well... So, not too much to check in with, but I wanted to mention I've been watching some HBO shows that actually just finished, and I we hadn't mentioned them at all, which is strange, because I had been watching them as we've been recording the last couple episodes, but um, both Watchmen and um, His Dark Materials um, just ended this last week. The last, couple, the last episodes aired last weekend and this weekend, I think. And I watched both through both of those shows, and I gotta say, I was I love I actually really really liked Watchmen. Um, I thought it did a really interesting, awesome job of taking that IP and doing something really smart with it, um, relevant, and still surprisingly like true to what the original comic book was. For as much as that was never intended to be anything other than that one standalone series um it's really good i at least i like it um 
So I recommend that. I know it was on HBO, so if you don't have HBO, but if you when you do to get a chance, it's worth a watch. It's really, really good, really powerful and good, well acted, and and it's Damon Lindelof, who I am just a. Uh, he's kind of divisive. A lot of people don't love him, but pretty much everything he's done, I think I like, if not love. So he was one of the guys behind Lost. Right. People don't know. Lost and uh, left. Leftovers and Prometheus and a handful of other things. Or maybe not. Is that it? What else is there? Um, and then the other thing I watched are His Dark Materials. That's a fun... It's not as good as Watchmen, but another fun fantasy, kind of dark fantasy series. Um, it's a good short eight-episode run, so not too much of an investment. But uh, if you kind of dig the kind of steampunkish slightly fantasy based world young adult stuff um it it's that kind of thing but hits with a little bit heavier messaging and some interesting ideas um so yeah recommend those two those were fun good tv watching times excellent great to hear all right uh or ryan whoever i don't know i'll go we haven't heard from Um, you for a while so yeah, I've been having some adventures. A lot of, you know, been working a lot, taking care of kids, metal detecting, as I'm sure all of you want to hear about oh, those good. updates. Good, good. Um, you, you know, it's been it's been some pretty good hunting. I found a ring that I think actually has a real diamond in it a couple days ago, so that's pretty sweet. Um, hmm. I found a, a tool, I think it's an 18 karat gold, uh, like, band as well that was kind of neat at the at mission bay um one cool thing and we're getting away from metal detecting here is i did happen to for any of you um bourbon connoisseurs um you will know this bottle very well i was able to acquire a bottle of pappy van winkle 23 year which is incredibly hard to get um anybody who drinks bourbon knows that like pappy van winkle is like they make such few bottles every year, and the 23 year is like the oldest one. Um, I got it. Is that a Costco. bourbon brand or a name of a cat from Cats? It actually it is an, also a name of a cat. I bought the bottle for $250, and um, like I could sell it on the secondary market because it's impossible to get for about 3000 Wow. So it's a really expensive bottle, and it, it's one of those things where it like, appreciates in value, too. So if I hold on to it for like 10 years, it'll like double in value. So that's probably what I'm going to do. Excellent. And it's a nice little trinket, you know, that cool little thing. And other than that, just been preparing for the holiday season, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's about it for me. That's all I got. Ryan, what have you been up to? Um, <clears throat> I watched half of The Watchmen. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm liking it so far. I'm excited to continue watching it. So it's, it's good to hear that it finishes well, I guess, Sean. Um, yeah, I think it. I think it does. I mean, we will we'll discuss off cast um, and especially after you finish it. But um, like I said, I really did like the whole series. So. That's good. That's good to hear because I am a. I love obviously love the comic and I enjoyed the movie as well. Um, but beyond that, I am watching the Witcher Netflix series. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm. I'm I'm liking it mostly so far as being a, a big fan of the video games and what up ep- what uh, episode are you on, Ryan? Uh, f- 
four or five. I'm trying to remember now. Okay. Um, You're ahead of me. I've only watched three, and I'm also yeah. enjoying it too. So. Yeah, um, but, maybe, but you can maybe do. I know Chris was maybe interested in doing a podcast on that one, so maybe we'll uh, have a more in-depth conversation. Um, uh, but beyond that, I did finish reading uh, Mary Kondo's The Ma- Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Um, and if you were to look around my room, you can <coughs> see that I've taken that to heart based on the very, like maybe about 10% floor space being visible. Um, so yeah, my life is really turning around. Uh, but uh, You yeah. only have things that bring you joy now? Um, I have... Oh, well, shoot. He still has I, us I, in his life, so. Yeah, I, I think, you know what? I think I read it wrong. I think I threw away everything that gave me joy. I'm left with you guys. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Eh, anyway, yeah, that's what I've been up to. All right. Matt, that just uh, leaves you. I suppose it does, yes. Um, I am the jellical chunker. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm. I'm uh, celebrating making it successfully to the end of. Uh, the uh, fall term of 2019. Uh, this is significant for me because I spent uh, six months out of this year on medical leave, as I've mentioned before on this podcast. Um, from both of my jobs, I was gone for six months and uh, started back up in school in August. Um, it's been challenging, if I can use a word. It's definitely been a challenge uh, readjusting to the working life. Um, but uh, but it's been rewarding, and I made it across the finish line just a few days ago. I was I limped across with cr- crutches, bleeding out my side and everything. This isn't a metaphor, literally all this. No, um, but I made it to the end of the term, and now I'm rewarded with some, I think, well earned vacation time. Um, so I'm I'm happy that I was able to successfully go back to my working world, and I'm looking forward to go to continuing. So. Um, <clears throat> so I'm very happy about that. Um, entertainment world, I'm still playing through uh, Link's Awakening remake on Switch, um, and I have finished uh, the Imagineering story on Disney Plus. Um, I loved that series. Uh, as I predicted, the last episode or two got a little. Um, the invisible hand of Disney was a little present there. Um, little, little, little too much singing the praises of current management, but um, but again from the this is the behind the scenes of the development of attractions and theme parks and what whatever. It's it's really interesting. You guys all know I'm super into that. But um, but now that I've seen the whole series, I definitely think it's worth a watch. I think anybody who likes documentaries or is even remotely a fan of theme parks would get something of value out of this. So uh, yep, now that I'm done with it. I'd say gets my gets my full recommendation. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I'm just enjoying some off time finally. And that's where I'm at. Those are my chunks. Man, there you go. Those are some good <clears throat> chunks. Chunks. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, well, but it's 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 time. <laughs> it's time. Uh, it's all come to this. I'm glad you're here with me at the end of all things. Uh, <laughs> Sam, Wise, Vince, Ryan, and Chewie. Um, <laughs> Uh, how are we doing a spoiler warning for this? I don't. No, what does feel, that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that even. I don't even think it, I could spoil what happened because <laughs> what I'm about to say won't make any sense. So yeah, I mean, also take, I, I, that for what you will. Then spoiler warning from yeah. here on out. Okay. Well, 
Um, I think before we started recording, it was decided that I was going to have to try to recap this mess. <laughs> it was forced upon you, so you must Okay, so... Um, Alright, so to recap Cats, uh, the Yamchuk's crew went out to a nice restaurant and had several margaritas and then sat in a theater and there were many horrifying CGI cat people running around dancing around singing songs about who they were and then at the end one of them flew away (laughs) that's it that's the recap that's what everyone will get to experience if they go see cats (laughs) I mean arguably that is the only way to experience this movie but yeah I I would not have got what I got out of it and I don't know what I got out of it, but I know I wouldn't have got that out of it if I hadn't gone with you guys and had margaritas beforehand. So, no, let me let me give a little bit more actually, because uh, I'm the resident theater guy. So, yeah, it, it's Cats. It's a live action adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's insane musical. Not his most insane musical, but it's you know up there. But it's it's based on a a, a T. S. Eliot series of T.S. Eliot poems that he kind of just wrote as a fun little here's some cutesy Dr. Seussy poems about different kitty cats and um, you know which is in contrast to his much darker more depressing normal work Um, so it's I don't think it was ever meant to be well definitely not this but I don't think it was ever meant to be anything more than that Um, but I guess it struck a chord with Andrew Lloyd Webber you know of Phantom of the Opera fame, um, so it, it turned it into a stage musical. But as a result, there's not really much plot to it. It's it's uh, you know there's a new cat in the alley, and all the other cats show up and show her their ways of life and introduce themselves in really long, complicated, overly weird musical numbers, and they're all competing to get to see who gets to be. The Jellicle Cat, which is a word that keeps getting used over and over and over again and is not explained at the beginning and is just left everyone baffled. I know it's a has some it's some kind of British slang, but um but it is not explained at all at the beginning of the movie. But they have some kind of competition where one will be chosen by the lead cat, and that cat will ascend to Heaven Side, which it's never really made clear what that is. Well, it's heaven side, it's heavy side. Heavy, yeah. Well, it, it's supposed to be some kind of metaphor for dying and reincarnating, or it's not a metaphor; it's literal. Or I'm not sure, but but one main cat girl asks, "Well, how do you get chosen?" They, they, someone says something along the lines of, "Well, we sing about ourselves, of course," and so that's the bulk of the movie. And then um, Idris Elba is a cat who randomly shows up to make other cats disappear and teleports them to a boat where they're chained up but then that's resolved somehow and then at the end they choose jennifer hudson cat who sings the one song from this musical memory that everybody that any everybody knows most people probably know it and don't even know it's from cats but she sings the song and then judy dench picks her and they put her into a hot air balloon made out of a chandelier and then she flies away to to ascend or die or onto a hot air (laughs) yeah she flies away which is something that everybody wants to do and and then at the end they sang a song about how they're at least they're not dogs and they oh oh, at least they just are stating cats are not dogs oh not only not only that 
Judy Dench cat looks directly at us through the screen. Don't mention that. I had forgotten about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad you remember. So, yeah, yeah, this is definitely a situation of, you know, it, yeah, this is a thing that was never meant to be on stage, but we're going to do it anyway. And then the thing they made on stage was... it was barely meant to be on stage. It was never meant to be on stage. Well, that's the thing I was going to say. It was not meant to be on stage, and they did it anyway. And then the thing that they put on stage was not meant to be put into a movie, (laughs) and they did it anyway. So it is several layers of why does this exist? And I think the main reason... I think I safely can say the main reason we all saw it is we just had to witness the train wreck for ourselves. And after all reading all the hilarious reviews. So um, I don't know. Does anybody does anybody have a direction of how to lead this conversation? Because I have, I have a, I have Let's a. Let's all just start singing our opinions one by one. I, okay, let me <laughs> let, let me chosen. let me kick this off with a with, with a with a fun question. Um, okay, what? Wait, wait. What was the what was the what was the magic cat? What was the railway cat? Mister Mistopheles? No, no, no. Ma- no. Skimbleshanks. Skimbleshanks. Okay, all right. Let's go around. We all know our cats. What was your favorite <laughs> oh, oh, cat? Totally. What was your favorite cat who wasn't Skimbleshanks? God. And, How dare and, and you why? even suggest that there's a superior cat to Skimbleshanks? No, I'm not saying that superior. I'm just saying, what was your next favorite cat after Skimbleshanks? <sighs> Taylor, Taylor, Taylor's cat. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about Taylor Swift cat Ryan. Tell us why. Tell us what about that you liked. Uh, oh no! <laughs> You're asking a very logical, a question that demands a rational answer. But there are there is no rational explanation or or response to any question that anyone can ask regarding. This yes, movie. but see, that's the thing. The act of making a movie, you know. Greenlighting it, writing a script, hiring casting actors, getting cameramen, and making a movie is a very rational thing to do that resulted in something that by all means should not exist. So I think that my question is fair. No, it is. Um, It is, yeah, because just thinking about this movie and trying to come up with even a coherent sentence, it it challenges (laughs) reality. It challenges, you know, just. Our very existence. I don't know what. Else, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Look, Taylor. Taylor Cat is my favorite cat besides Skimbleshanks. That's all I have to offer you. Well, keep, well okay. So, give us some more information <laughs> about what happened in that scene. She. she see, it's hard <laughs> to even create a sentence. So they're, they're in like a dance area. Floor. It's like a nightclub of some kind. I, I don't know it's what like it a is. Jazz club. Okay. Ho- well, we don't know where we are. We're in some location, and then from the ceiling, from the, s- the open sky, from anyway, from up, a <laughs> a crescent moon descends, upon which Taylor Cat is is astride, and she's singing, and um, it's very clearly Taylor Swift, um, plus a lot of weird looking cat. Fr- I mean, hair on her which i don't know i mean i shouldn't say hair i guess it's fur it doesn't make it better does it um (laughs) anyway and then she sings a a, a ditty of a song you know and and people are everyone reacts like this is normal 
And yeah, but this, the, the moon is doing some stuff, though. The moon is doing stuff. Um, and But, I mean, I've never seen the moon do stuff, but apparently that's normal. This moon spews catnip powder everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, it. that's right. That's, I forgot so, about that. So Sorry. all the cats in attendance of whatever this event is are all drugged. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> as well as the audience. <laughs> Sean, what was your favorite cat? Oh, geez. Um, I I liked old um, asparagus, Gus. He was a favorite, <laughs> although his number was not... His number wasn't that amazing, but having Ian McCullen going... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Ian McCullen, Ian McCullen on a dime is switching between just muttering out garbled drunken nonsense words and then like, going meow 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 <laughs> so i want like rubbing his head up against like a pillar like a cat would and, or and just licking things <laughs> yeah sir ian mckellen sir ian shakespearean trained actor freaking <laughs> gandalf the gray gandalf. that's who he is too his cat is like an old acting cat i guess i don't <laughs> he's no <laughs> Syrian McKellen, Gandalf the Grey, Magneto is was yes. was meowing. Yes, asparagus. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh Vince, how about your favorite cut? Oh man, thank God I finally I get to talk about this. Alright. <laughs> well I would say my favorite cat was probably um you know Yeah. <laughs> That one right there. Um, who's the cat that... Oh, man. That magician one was... Um, he didn't really talk. Which... Magical Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah, Mistopheles, whatever. That one, he didn't He didn't talk at all. And he just started throwing cards at people, which I kind of appreciated. <laughs> um, and Oh, and he really was bad at magic for most of the movie. And throughout most of his song about him being magic. Yeah, but then, like, that's the but thing. He, he wasn't. He was, like, a stage magician who, like, did card tricks and stuff. But then, you know, Idris Elba, uh, Thanos, too many cats away. And they're like, oh, and he got, he dusted the, the, the Judy Dench cat, which the entire um, bare bones of a plot was hinging on. So they needed to bring back Judy Dench cat. Um, and they're like, "Hey, you're a magician, so you you can do magic, right? Um, so you you got to do the magic, and then you can't, and then you can't, and then you can, and and then so he boy, learns the whole real plot, magic. The whole plot of this movie is that Ibris Elba <clears throat> wants to stop all the other cats from being picked to be the chosen cat to be reincarnated. That's all yes. this movie is. So, so then, he... like, the whole plot is incredibly depressing because that. Are you asking us, friends? Because you saw this movie too. Yeah, but I don't know what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand anything that was going on. Well, and... it's 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 interesting too because the stage play that all of that was added for the movie. Yeah, to my understanding, like I, the... The, his cat was still in the stage play McCavity, but the whole warping him away to the boat, all that stuff on the boat was added for the movie. That's not in the original stage play at all, and they weren't ever tell. He didn't have teleportation powers in the stage play. And they didn't ever explain it in the movie, so I guess that is fine too. <laughs> uh, 
So even that bare minimum of a plot for this movie is like ten times more than it ever had before. Right. I, I mean, and I find that super interesting, right? Because like, I. All right. This is the heart of the matter time here. All right. Like, <laughs> they have to add that level of bare minimum plot because moviegoers are expecting, like some semblance of a plot, right? You go to the movies and you expect some kind of structure or some type of plot progression. You know, musicals already have a bad rap with a lot of people. They don't like to just keep hearing constant singing, but typically the singing moves the plot forward and that's the lyrics tell you what's supposed to happen. But like who thought this was a good idea when the the source material and by not I'm not talking the poems, I'm talking the Andrew Led Mever musical is so much nothing. Like, how do you look at that and go, yeah, that'll that should be a movie directed by a two-time Oscar-nominated director? Like, well, it's interesting because yeah, there's no there's no real plot. So, I mean, I would think I was talking to you guys, or I don't know who I was talking, but I was like, I guess if I was a fan of the stage play Cats, I would probably like this movie. I would only assume. I don't know, but I would guess that okay. So. That's that's fine, but you can't bank an entire big giant multi million dollar Hollywood movie off of, you know, a very niche audience, right? Right. So like, well, we gotta add a plot and we gotta add all these stars and stuff to appeal to a large audience. But you never stop to ask the question of whether you should. Yeah. <laughs> right. Are you I mean Jurassic it, Park this? No, yes. I, I mean you 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 hit on a good point. It's a very niche thing. It's not even like musicals are already a tough sell. I mean Tom Hoop, Tom Tom Hooper, or Tom Hopper. I can't remember who, his Hooper. name. Tom Hooper directed this movie. He also directed Les Mis, which was actually a somewhat serious award season contender, and it was based on like one of the most popular and successful and beloved musicals of all time. And even mm-hmm. that, with a lot of people, got lukewarm reception because yeah. just by very nature of being a musical, you have to convince people that this is worth watching because it's a yeah. very it's a very hit or miss art form for a lot of people. So like but then within the musical community, Cats itself is very divisive. It's it's like it itself has well, a, a very specific niche within the niche uh musical lovers population. You know, it It's funny I was talking to my parents cuz they I think last year it was playing at the Moonlight or it had played at the Moonlight recently some couple years ago or I don't know. And they said, oh, yeah, that we went to go see it at the Moonlight, and we had never seen it before, and we left it half. We left it intermission. We couldn't stand watching the rest of it. Uh, I wonder who did that, because it wasn't a Moonlight production. But, um... Yeah, it might have been a traveling thing, and they just used the Moonlight. I don't, so I don't know the details. But, I, but whatever it was, when they saw it live, they said they couldn't even like watch the whole thing. Yeah, so... Exactly, and that's... that's there, there are, are fans of it. It's got... It's got a following, it, which in itself is something we can discuss because that's baffling to me. But like, what, 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 what's the plot process of going? Yeah, this is the thing that is gonna. I mean, I'm trying to find the, the budget was 95 million for this movie. That's Jeez, that's wow. that's that's not including marketing. But the budget. Well, was, the thing is that like it it well it's obviously gonna bomb. What is it made six million? It this made weekend? six million on opening oh, weekend. Jeez, that is just that is rough. By comparison, Star Wars made one hundred and seventy five million in the same time span. Yeah, so man, so yeah, but it, like 
95 million like you this just the act the star power that's probably at least a third of that right there right Andrew Alba and Judy Dench and everyone else right but the clearly the amount of work that went into this the the CG and the computer graph and and just like just think about that you have a huge cast of big name stars and it's going to be a CG heavy film Am I, I'm not describing a Marvel blockbuster MCU film or a Star Wars film. I'm describing a musical live stage play. Like, like what? Like, no one on a, like, it's like the CEO executives lost sight of the forest for the trees. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. So I'm looking at this individual thing, and that makes sense if I don't. But then if you took a step back, no one took a step back and said, what are we doing? Guys, what are we doing? Right, exactly. What is going on here? And then, you know, expanding on that, yeah, look at the cast. I mean, it, it's so all over the place that it, I, I mean, you got, you got James Corden, you got Judy Dench, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you got Jason Derulo, we already mentioned Ian McKellen, Taylor Swift. It, it, it's like, it's such a weird collection of of Hollywood people, Rebel and, Wilson, Jennifer yeah. Hudson, like. yeah, it's 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 such a strange mix of people from the recording industry, people from like comedy side of Hollywood, serious actors, Broadway veterans. It's such a weird mix of people, and it's like, did they is was this casted because they thought that they were best for these roles or was it all stunt casting because they were like, look, we just have to appeal to as many demographics as possible and try to cover as many areas as we can to get as many people to see this movie because if, if it's a ladder which it probably was were they realistically hoping for that to work were they expecting that that was going to work yeah like oh it just help us in this i'm gonna go see it now because i loved him in fast and the furious like you're not gonna get like that crowd it's not like you're grabbing the action or you know whatever you, the criminal show uh whatever the british yeah you're not getting that crowd you're not fooling them and to go see cats i don't think yeah, much less like Jason Derulo fans are not going to come see a musical adaptation of a musical that musical fans mostly don't even like anyway. Like, yeah, I. Well, it's also you mentioned you know Lay Miz, Tom Hooper's Lay Miz. I actually like that. I mean, I like Lay Miz a lot, so I was kind of yeah. partial just because it was Lay Miz. But I actually kind of like that uh, adaptation because. Um, I like the idea of the, the level of intimacy that you got with that because normally in a big stage play, especially Les Mis, it's big and epic. But you know you're looking at it from a very broad perspective. With but with film, there's these opportunities to get up close, and you're in these people's spaces as they're singing these very heartfelt songs and stuff. And it's like okay, this is a new level that I could appreciate this piece with, right? Like right. There's value brought to this piece of art through the medium of film that isn't otherwise explored in a live stage play yes but when you do that with cats you don't want to get up close to these things well i you that you actually accidentally set up what i wanted to talk about if we (laughs) if we if we dig through all the layers of insanity that i mean let's be real a lot of it's the movie but a lot of it is just what it came from right if you dig through and peel away all those layers of just madness like is there a level of artistry on display like what do we think of the like the production of this movie of of what the result is from a technical standpoint or from a cinematography standpoint i I don't know what do you, do you guys have thoughts about did that even cross your mind watching the movie or were you able or were you unable to even penetrate that part it of was your brain not crossing my as I watched the movie not on that no i I couldn't 
piece together that coherent of a thought or question as I was watching. <laughs> I couldn't piece together any thoughts. There's no coherency going on. My brain. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. The first 15 minutes, my mouth was just open as yeah. I was watching. Oh yeah, happening. absolutely. And and that's the thing is that it was my idea to like go out beforehand and then go watch this movie all together. Because fun fact for the listeners, like we. Us, as a group, we used to go to movies a lot together pretty much every week. The last time I think we all went was Ready Player One, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, which was yeah. the first episode of this podcast, which is significant because this is the 50th episode of the podcast. It's a, <laughs> it's our me anniversary. So, um, <laughs> but I was like, man, I hope it actually is like, you know, there's bad movies, right? There's like bad movies that are just like, they're so bad. They're they're a train wreck. It's this hilarious to watch, and then there's bad movies that are just like boring or yeah, boring. tired they're or depressing. And I don't know how you guys feel, but just in the first few minutes, like you mentioned, your mouth was just hung open. I was just like, "Yes, this is exactly how I wanted this evening to go." <laughs> this I can already tell that this movie is delivering exactly what I want out of this movie because I wasn't going to see it because I thought I was going to get a serious movie that I was going to take seriously and enjoy i was hoping for a train wreck and that's exactly what i got absolutely yeah that's i got exactly what i was hoping to get just a hilarious there yeah there's just times where nothing was really happening on screen but it was just so hilarious because there's all these people in cat costume not even costumes cg cat outfits and nothing was making sense and yeah it was just a complete cluster it's one of those things where like you know in a good what we consider a good we we have to evaluate reevaluate what we mean by good nowadays in filmmaking but um what we like a good film it's immersive it draws you in it allows you to not think about what the technicality is or what's going on on screen you believe this world you're watching or whatever's going on Cats, there wasn't a moment that I wasn't asking myself, how did this happen? How did this happen? How did right, this happen? Yes. What am I watching? Like, were, are, are they in a leotard suit? Are they wearing some weird makeup? What, like, I don't know. Like, were there everyone around watching? Is Judy Dench in a green leotard right now with hundreds of extras standing around her? Like, there wasn't a moment in this film where those questions were not front and center because of what I was seeing on screen. But because there was so much of that, Again, it was less that I was like, you know, consciously asking these questions that I was more of in a trance where it was just like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to take it all in. It, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable on a literal level, but it's also unbelievable just like on a on a functional level. <laughs> yeah, I want to like I want to hone in on one of those just like one of the surreal things about it where it's like, yeah, I mean. We're trying to dig through all these layers of psychosis, um, but like, you know, looking at a, a musical adaptation, and you know, I work in theater, so little details are not only things I notice, but I have to like plan for when I'm working on productions. But like, this movie, like, what would this movie have been in any other decade? past or future i'm I, I can't help but wondering that because i notice little things like in these musical numbers you know in on stage you have things like light cues that go in time with music or you have moving set pieces that go in time with music one of the things that i really stuck out to me in this movie was that their their cat features like their fur and their tails would all like 
move in time with music and choreography, which is not a thing that you can do in real life. It's not a thing you can yeah. do on stage. It's a thing that you have yeah. to you have to do that with CGI it, with with that level of precision, which means that there had to be at least a person who had to like meticulously plan out choreography for CGI tails, CGI fur, all these CGI whiskers, all these little things that like there's like these areas of stage technology that you have to you know every you have teams working on but like this had to have a choreographed like cat cgi team that had to like have its own th- planning from the ground up it, like that i don't know what to do with that information <laughs> like it's 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 unreal to me it's just like something like i i don't know like could this movie have uh, like go ahead so I think, but like this, it would like if you were legit trying to make a like a good movie. Well, I mean, I guess they were probably. I could only hope. But is that just like go all? It should be a fully animated film, or like right? You 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 make it a slightly bold choice, but something that makes sense in the context of the medium that you're making, right? You don't just like try to do a one for one. Like there's a reason why not everything needs to be a movie, right? Right. Like, you're not gonna, you don't need to turn a book of poems into a movie. It doesn't make sense to do that. Why would you do that? Like, are we so void of any, like, you know, individual creativity that we have to latch on to anything that exists? I'm going to make a Yahtzee movie. I'm going to make this. That's a thing. I'm going to make a LG monitor movie because that's a thing that exists already. So let's turn it into a movie. I'm just staring at an LG monitor right now. But you know what I mean? Like, why does that have to be a movie? It doesn't. Stop doing that. Stop making something. Just let a thing be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned that after the movie. I said this would have been better as an animated movie, even if it were still marketed towards adults. Like, And I like it when they make animated movies that aren't strictly marketed to kids. But... But it is based on a set of poems that are for children. Like, it's like, like, Dr. Seuss is my closest comparison, just because I'm grasping at straws and I have nothing else to, like, compare yeah. this to. But, like, it, you know, the Dr. Seuss adaptations arguably are better when they're animated than something like Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat. Yeah. Speaking of cats, like, that, yeah, the end result is something horrifying and weird and just doesn't really, the medium doesn't support the source material. So I yeah. guess I guess I mean I've been thinking about this a lot and I thought about it a little bit during the movie but I guess if they were going to go live action CGI hybrid cat people route this this might be the best that they could possibly have done because I think that from a technical standpoint it's a well-made movie I, I you know like that, that's the thing is that I I feel weird singing any praises for it but it I mean other than the fact that I was entertained the entire time for all the wrong reasons, but I do yeah. think that it is, given what it is, it is a well-made movie. It's just probably just something that shouldn't have been made, you know. And and again, it's the it's the Jurassic Park thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's the too preoccupied worrying about whether they could, didn't worry about whether they should, you know. It, but they did, and they succeeded? Question mark. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're right. Like, it, it's really hard to get past all, just get past the movie itself to even break it down in terms of was this well made, was it good, all these different questions because there's so much in front of that picture. So I think you're right in terms of like the technical merits. Like, yeah, it. I don't know. I don't think I was ever thinking to myself like, man, this is 
like a bad movie in the same way we consider a bad movie bad. Like it's like, it's like a completely the different animal. Right, exactly. It, it's not a matter of incompetence. It's just a matter of like maybe it was a bad idea from the start, you know? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Whereas like, yes, incompetence. Like you can tell there's like, oh, this was not made with a skillful hand. This person didn't either didn't know what they were doing or or thought they did and like with the case of the room or like Birdemic, yes. that's what you're talking about. But here, yeah. it's not the case. It's they they took people who knew what they were doing, people who were talented, you know, talented craftsmen, talented artists, directors, writers, actors, performers, and chose to make use those resources to make something crazy, you know. And in a way, I kind of respect that, which is why like I kind of went in trying to a little bit try to be like be on the side of this movie like if nothing else to get entertainment out of watching the train wreck but also it's just like there's got to be i went in with the mindset that there's got to be some something to this you know what it makes me think is that it reminds me of like the rocky horror picture show okay i could see this movie in like a decade kind of starting to take on that status maybe i was gonna you ask know? what you guys think how how people would look upon this in the future, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I could potentially see it being something like that. And now, whether that was intended or not, I don't know. Like, I don't. Do you do you set out to make a movie that is intentionally not bad, but intentionally so just wacky that it 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 develops a niche cult audience? Like, I don't know as a filmmaker if you could really set out to try to do something like that. But I think that's the probably if this movie's going to have any legs or any sort of like collective memory memories um <laughs> that would be it is is like this weird midnight hey they're showing cats at midnight and everyone's going to get dressed up and throw dust at each other and like <laughs> i could see that happening yeah. and skimbleshanks is going to get on and we're all going to dance in front of the you know like that's what i see the, oh, yeah. the legacy of this movie it's it's funny because yeah i mean like hey first of all i have a couple questions have any of you guys been to a Midnight Rocky before? Mm-mm. No. The closest is The Room. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's it's a whole different animal than The Room. Like, The Room is fun and a lot of crazy yelling and things that happen, but Rocky Horror is that times ten. It, there's a lot of... It's it's a whole song and dance. It's a whole thing. But if, if, if you ever... Now, that being said, okay, none of you guys have actually gone to Rocky. Well, for one thing, we should all go, just so that I can experience your guys' first time doing that. But um, but that aside, have you, any of you guys actually just watched the movie? Like, have you just seen... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is, in my opinion, unwatchable. <laughs> I, like, I, I think it's, it's terrible. It is, it is, it is, it's just completely unwatchable. But when you go experience that midnight experience it becomes it like it becomes like its best version of itself this is that like is how you're supposed to experience it and so like i could totally picture a movie like cats turning into something like that but then that begs the question like did they did they plan for that there's no way there's there's no way yeah that's what i'm saying i just don't feel especially again with a 95 million dollar right like you don't like do that with a that kind of budget on a weird whimsical like oh that's what we're going for it's going to be this wacky thing that kids go to in college that's what we're spending all this money on like no they they wanted this film to make money that as with all films and it it that's the most boggling part like i don't know 
Right, because like something like Rocky Horror is relatively low budget, and from what I gather, a passion project. It's just a movie that somebody really wanted to make and had a vision and made it, and it turned out to be like bad and weird but it also found its its voice and its audience whereas cats yeah a major studio has to green light 95 million dollars to make this thing to bring this thing into existence right that's not something that you do on a whim you don't just you know like that and that's the part i can't get past i mean really we can talk about just how the entire movie felt like a drug trip and everything is just like bonkers and crazy but you divorce yourself of the actual content of the movie. It's really the, the the most bonkers thing is just the fact that it exists at all. Yeah, <laughs> which says a lot because <laughs> it's a wacky bonkers. I mean, um, yeah, is there a version of this movie that could ever have existed that wasn't bonkers? You know, and still live action. Uh, that's yeah. another thing I'm I'm wondering because did people at the studio think that that's what it? Did anybody at the studio see the stage production? Like that's. <laughs> that's what that yeah it's like they probably didn't they just knew it was recognizable like i see that sign on broadway like when i'm driving down fifth all the time it must be popular that sign's been up for years right yeah sure let's make a movie greenlit <laughs> right and that's the thing is I, I could believe like someone like tom hooper or maybe um someone like uh you know andrew lloyd weber for maybe one maybe one or both of them it was either a passion project or maybe a vanity project or maybe a little of both right but at this point you're throwing around a lot of money for, for you know for a, a passion project you know yeah that that's yeah uh, i'm i'm not sure <laughs> um what was everyone's favorite song um well, yeah, it's it's hard for me to it's hard for me to pick because there's parts of the movie that I liked because of the overall production value of the musical number, and then there's parts where I liked it because the song itself was good. Um, you know, I think I've got to I got to pull up a I got to pull up a uh, musical numbers list here. Um, Skimbleshanks. Yeah, I mean, only I mean, correct answer. I mean, if we're I mean if we're being honest, Skimbleshanks, the railway cat is just overall the best thing but <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> he has a little uh, overalls overalls and uh, a little conductor hat <laughs> okay um now I, i'm looking i'm looking at the the musical numbers list on wikipedia um jenny any dots the old gumby cat that that is that is that's, that's rebel wilson right that's rebel wilson oh. i think that was my favorite sequence um <laughs> For one, because the song is really jazzy and upbeat and fun, and I liked the song as just as a song, but also that it's really early in the movie, and that is the height of the madness. Because it's yeah. not even just the cats, it's also the mouse people, and then the cockroach people. <laughs> who, who she eats. Who they, who they all, because you're watching this, you're already in this weird, wacky, oversized world with cat people, right? And then everything stops so that the cat people can watch a sub-performance, a musical number within the musical number of weird cockroach and mouse people that they're just watching and observing. But then they're just casually eating the performers as the performers. Well, and they're also CGI faces on things again. So there's another level of disturbing uncanniness to all of those mice and cockroaches. Yes. So, I mean, again, that was early in the movie... And I think that was the point where I realized, like, yeah, okay, I, I've had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> it was bound to happen. Here it is. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, there's a... It, it's 
it was a very even mix for me between genuinely enjoying it as a musical number and as a choreograph a choreographed dance piece and just like the mouth agape just disbelief like i can't believe this is real like maybe it isn't i'm not sure anymore you know, you know i think that that scene i think that sequence if if somebody were curious about cats but didn't want to watch the whole thing i think i would just show them that scene and they would never speak to you again yeah yeah you yeah. lose that friend <laughs> i guess you'd be okay with that vince what was your favorite song Oh, man. Well, um, I had to go to the restroom, and I got back halfway into the Taylor Swift one, and um, everything was just, like, tripping balls. Like, apparently catnip had been implemented, and people were just, like, floating around, and I had no concept of any sort of, like, reality. And it had all just... So, my favorite, absolutely. Yeah, you know, for, for a movie about cats, there's an awful lot of things flying. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I was trying to think of, like, someone listening to this podcast who had not seen the movie. I want to give them an accurate, like, kind of depiction of any given scene in this film. And, and yeah, you can walk into any scene in the movie, and there might be random floating objects, people <laughs> just obviously dancing and purring or, or like, licking each other. Well, no, they don't really lick each other, but they definitely rub up against each other, and it's not it's not comfortable. It's not good. Um, <laughs> or it's... <laughs> It just—I don't know what other uh, imagery can we there's help a lot of, convey. There's a surprising amount of there's a surprising amount of close-up shots of cats reacting to other cats. Yeah, no, no dialogue or think saying anything, just looking because cats kind of do that, I guess, right? They just kind of oh, what what is oh, oh that's interesting to me. I'm I'm distracted by nothing, you know, really happening, and so there's oh, a lot of that. I always assumed they were looking at ghosts in the room, but you know, <laughs> yeah, like real cats. cats can, that's what yeah, they do. Cats can see real ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's funny because like yeah, you're we're talking about you could just show someone a piece in the movie. Yeah, you can. There's so many scenes where you can just pull it out and show it to someone and say this is what cats is. But then at the same time, so many of those sequences are so unique from each other for sure. so many weird reasons. It, it, it like and that that's why it's really hard to make heads or tails of this movie because it, it's the the tones and the styles are always completely changing along with the musical numbers, but they're all at equal levels of crazy, right? And yeah, well, it's it's interesting, too, because, like, the the memory song, mm-hmm. it's funny how actually actually powerful that song is. Yeah. When there's no reason for this song, like, it's not like we know this character or care about this character or care about this character's story or anything, right. but she just starts singing it. But the song is such just a, a really good song that it stands alone as being powerful, and it's like, oh yeah, that's a good song. Wait, but it's a why is but it's a weird CG cat person singing this. There's yeah, no reason for it takes you out of it. That, that I was singing that I was listening to that song, and I felt myself being drawn into that sequence. And then towards the end of it, I went, "What's happening? Why? Did, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Why am I? Why but am also, I? Why it's am surprisingly I? short. That yeah. song is like yeah, barely was, in it. Well, it gets it's, a reprise so, later, so." It, you know, it, yeah, I guess. Um, also, I did like the original song, which was written by Taylor Swift. I actually like that one, like just again oh, as a good song. Not the original memory. You're talking the, about the new the song, "Beautiful didn't... Memories." Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I liked. I don't know if I really liked it, but I think it was one of the more similar to why you like the opening kind of um, 
the Jumble Cakes. What's her name? <laughs> Jumble Jun Jumby Gumby Jumbles. Um, Gumby it. Jumbles. No, you got it right. Uh, it was no, no, yeah. no. It's uh, wait. I got this. It is Gumbo. It is Gumby. Jenny Any Jumble. Dots. <laughs> It's it? it's Jenny Any Dots, the old Gumby cat. <laughs> also, like I get that these cats are supposed to be names, like oh, they're funny cat names, but no one these cats are too whimsically named. No one names their cat Skimbleshanks or Deuteronomy. <laughs> well, after the success of this movie, I bet you they will. Oh, <laughs> Deuteronomy? Well, who names their cat the fifth book of the Bible? Like that's a weird. Like it's too whimsical. It's too wonderful. Um, anyways, it, you know what it reminds me? Of? It reminds me of like I had some friends like when Harry Potter was huge. I mean, still huge, but when the movies were coming out and stuff, and I had read the books and everything, so I was a fan. But like you know, kid or kids my age or whatever, people in high school and stuff who were like, oh, that's kid stuff. It's so stupid. It's stupid names like Dumbledore and Hogwarts. Those names sound stupid. It, I, I could, I guess that's what people like. That's how I'm acting towards these names and cats. I guess I don't know. I'm trying to be trying to look at the other side here but they're ridiculous that <laughs> anyways the point is the song i liked is the two twin cats uh, the the mongo um, jerry and uh Rumble jerry. teaser yes Rumble's, how about again, those those some whimsical, whimsical of names mongo jerry and rumple teaser <laughs> Because they they were they kept mentioning their names throughout the they kept repeating yes. them like how are these okay names they yeah, don't they, roll they, off they, the tongue man there's a they there's just a, keep saying it to themselves there's a song in here called Growl Tiger's Last Stand <laughs> was that the one where they mentioned that cats are not dogs no this is right in the middle it's before the jello oh. ball I, I I think I'm looking at yeah I'm looking at the film I don't even remember who Growl Tiger is let me let me look at the cast. All right, Growl Tiger. Unless it's there's like, the song. There's James Corden's song is just about how he's fat. I like, know that's a song. It's that's just like I'm a fat song. thing. Ray Winston. And then he gets, also, like, not that picking apart the plot is no. I want to do it. I want to do it. Anyone here? But why did like so, Mister McCavity? <laughs> say these names. <laughs> is that, is it Mister? I don't know. If it's Mister. I think it's Mister. Mr. McCavity whisks these away and then he's like comes to Judy Dench and he's like, I'm the last one left. But there are literally hundreds of other cats around him. What does he mean? How does he how is he the last one left? Sean, there's a very complex hierarchy <laughs> of jellical cat there, selection that you're not cats. you're not aware of it, Sean. It's part of the EU of cats, and they explain <laughs> how the jellical cat selection occurs. So unless you wanna you're willing to read the I EU guess. content. I mean he he only whisked away like three of them. He didn't even whisk away all the ones that sang, like Sleazelbottom and uh, Jungle Jew. What's, what was the twin cat's You're name? Just making up names now. <laughs> uh, they sound real though. They do sound real. Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teasel. Mungo Jerry and Teasel Stump. Rumple Teasel. <laughs> There's also Tumble Brutus and. Uh, Rum Tum Tugger. Don't forget about Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah, oh yeah. Jason Drulo. Yeah, but he didn't warp those cats away. They were still there. How come they... But they got to sing. So I assume they were top-tier Jellicle cats. Grizabella the Glamour Cat. Oh, this one I like. Boostifer Jones. Oh, that's, that that's is fast, great. That was the fat one, He's right? the cat about town, yes. But his first name is Boostifer, and then his last name is just Jones. 
booster. Reminds me of uh, Rocket Ship Jones. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite skits. Also, do you guys uh, remember? Um, in, so, okay, another thing visually to convey to our listeners is that oftentimes the cats are proportionate with their environment, and then other times. Yeah disgustingly disproportionate with their environments <laughs> so it's it, it, visually that's very disturbing yeah uh, it's it, it's a constant whiplash like, of yeah like the um, train track scene when they're on the train track yeah it, it makes it it gives you the feeling that the world is shrinking and growing constantly yeah. throughout the movie which only adds to the like unease and confusion yeah. of everything else going on like and and there's too much many other things for you to notice to like put that at the forefront of your mind so it's just this thing in the background that's constantly just like oh the world just got bigger no it got smaller but it's on- only part of your brain is noticing it while you're yeah. observing the madness that's unfolding in front of that so right it, especially yeah. in the street scenes where you can see the, the background has a lot of like lights going on and Im- like uh signs with cat puns on them and <laughs> For, for there's one in particular and they showed it like 95 times throughout the film let's see if you guys picked up on it but in the background in, in the street there's a i think it's like a deli there's like a milk bar milk and then bar. there's like a yeah yeah there's a milk yeah, bar, a milk bar yeah. and i think on the sign for the milk bar it says a large variety of sandwiches and <laughs> i don't know why Go on. but i kept looking at the sign and every time it would come up i kept laughing for no reason other Wait, than it literally said a large variety of sandwiches or a list yeah. like it listed like uh hoagie and turkey no and no, just... no it it says the words a large variety of sandwiches oh, okay. it, and every t- like next time you watch this movie if you're ever so unfortunate have that happen oh i'm gonna i am gonna (laughs) yeah look and you'll notice it and there's something about it that's i don't i can't describe why it's because okay here's the thing too is that is the world they live in the human world and their cats in the human world or are they cats in their own world because there's a milk bar that's not a thing for humans right humans don't go to milk bars no no no, no, actually this has me question my like my reality because you know what other thing milk bar is in in uh, legend of zelda ocarina of time which i always thought was just a funny weird thing in that game but uh, now after seeing that like wait are milk bars a thing i had that thought last after i saw the movie like oh huh. maybe milk bars are like a real thing yeah maybe, I, maybe. I, I i wanted to bring that up because about the crazy cat world that this because it's supposed to be london i thought but because of the yeah they big, mentioned oh it's the thames they say yeah the thames. yeah oh okay so it's paris then um no, no, it's London. Oh, does it the run Thames through London? London. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, but, but, and this isn't helped by the scale issue, right? Because a lot of scenes when they're just out around the streets, they look like they're human proportions because the backgrounds aren't the right proportions. You shouldn't be able to see the, like, and then adding to that, all the weird cat-specific locations, like, now I'm questioning this world even further. Are there humans in this world at all? Are, well, they're because the no, there are shows yeah. the owner throw away the Victoria cat. Right, I think that's her name. But yeah. then, which is undecidedly unwhimsical, by the way. Right, yeah. she she is, does not belong in the Jellico cats. Right. It's way too normal of a name. But anyways, there, so it does show that human, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. And it actually is a weird. It actually is a human. God, I actually I want to see that scene again because they show a human with a bag. Does she come out of the bag with the human in the no, shot? No, so here's what happens. So the the human throws a bag that has a small object within it, which we presume to be a normal size cat. 
that as as a human being would perceive the size of a cat but then as the scene cuts to see to show the other cats noticing the cat in the bag the cat grows within it be and to become a human cat and then it's a human cat that bursts from within oh gosh that raises that raises so many more questions than it answers also okay so this is a true story and i i haven't told you guys because i was saving it for the cast but (laughs) the night that we i don't know the night that we saw and went home i had a dream that night oh no so (laughs) was it a night terror (laughs) well it was a dream and so we were i was going to see like so we're going to see cats or there was a production of cats and it was at the moonlight, but it actually wasn't the moonlight. You know, like it was like yeah. in my mind, it was the moonlight. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I know it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So the moonlight, but so but Chewy, you were in it, and Ryan, you were in it too, but you weren't actually in it. So anyway, so I was going, so but I and I was bringing some friends with me. So in my dream, there was friends from work and some other friends of mine. Um, but I was like really nervous because I was like trying to impress my friends. So the whole time I was just, it was like really nervous. I was like, I really hope they like this. I really, really hope they, and so the, and Ryan, you were supposed to be in it, but in what you, you just kind of kept running back to me and asking like, are they liking it? Is it, is it good? Are they liking it? Um, and also weirdly like Idris Elba was there. Like, as if, like, like, like as if he was, like he was he like he was the professional you know what i mean like he was there like ah i know all about cats i'm here to like give this performance my blessing so like he would like <laughs> like smile at us like yeah, yeah it's going good kid or whatever but uh but you you were a cat in it and you're but you like i don't remember you didn't have a name not that i remember but your thing was like jazz which i don't know why oh man like the jazz you were like a jazzy cat or something and so the whole time was just like I don't remember the performance other than kind of like a vague jazz. Like you didn't have a saxophone or anything, but you were. Doing, and then Ryan would kind of like come and like, are they liking it? And I would like be looking at my friends and seeing like, I th- like oh, I'm so nervous. I hope they like it. And then like seeing Idris Elba down the aisle and he's like winking at me. And then and that was my dream. And then I woke up screaming. So yeah, that was my dream. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So Ryan was in the production, but he kept running off stage. But was he dressed like a cat? Like, he no, he wasn't dressed like a cat. But like, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, in my mind, it's Ryan and Chewie are in this play, but right. like, Ryan wasn't actually in. Like, he was just like constantly coming and asking, like, "Are they liking it? Are they like?" And I was really concerned that like my other friends were like, "I really hope they like this." Oh my god! <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that was, uh, and I don't know what that means. I don't, I'm gonna have to. There'll be years of therapy figuring that out, but that is excellent. To, that is want to make sure oh, I mention that though. That is excellent. I was in one of your dreams as a jellicle cat. <laughs> yes. I and a jazz cat, no less. Sean, this tells this says a lot about what you think of me, and I am flattered. Well, you're welcome. You'll have to tell me what it means, but I could only assume the best of things. Yes. I don't, well, I, I don't know if there's anything else I, about the play. I, I, I did want to bring up one more question, though. Sure, yeah. If there was nothing else about the general I don't, craziness. I don't know how we go. I mean, I think we peaked with that dream, but uh, go, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> well, I just have one more question because it's, it's, it's more about kind of going back to the production side, and that is all the news now about the idea of this film being oh, yeah. packed, like literally. And I, do, I want to talk about that because we did a whole episode about Sonic and more discussions about the revised trailer and that is 
kind of exactly what happened to the furthest extreme with this. They are literally patching this movie. They are an existing movie that's playing in the theaters. They are now editing to update some of the effects. Ryan, you mentioned it while we were watching it. I don't, I didn't really notice it, but you said you saw like some of the some of the shoes that were still yeah, it, on the... Like if, especially in the... Or I particularly notice it in the... When they're dancing in the street. Because the street yeah. has this weird coloration... Like this weird purplish sheen. Kind of reflective. Mm-hmm. So it made it more... It gave it a really surreal light. Which contrasted their feet. Which were quote unquote human feet. Um, and so I kept looking at that. Because it caught my attention. And I kept washing their feet. And I'm like... I, yeah, I pointed it out to you. But I... I don't even know if I could have explained it had you asked what I was pointing out. Um, but it was it looked completely unnatural and weird. And I was mm-hmm. like, there's something wrong with their feet. But now that I... Um, Matt, you, you, you explained it. Although, yeah. Um, well, I, so I, that, uh, I did some more research about the patch. And apparently the easiest way to tell if you're watching the original one or the patched one is that at the end scene when Judy Dench Cat looks into the audience and starts singing to you, there's one shot where she puts her hand up and it's a bare human hand with no fur, and you can see her wedding ring. So that's like if you if if you have that version, if you can see Judy Dench's hand wearing a ring, then you have the unpatched version of the movie. I didn't notice that, but again, there was just too many other yeah, things to I, notice. Yeah, I can't say I noticed either, but that doesn't mean we I we saw it opening day, or I guess it wasn't opening day, but I think we saw it before any of the patches went out. So. And especially, Ryan, if you were noticing some of the, the feet stuff, uh, right. I think we probably saw the Unpatched but I don't know that for well, sure. I, um, I, uh, but anyways... I don't know if we saw the one, that one or not, because uh, I started seeing articles about the patch the next day, but the previous day, I saw somebody on Facebook who worked in a movie theater post a screenshot of an email from the studio saying, we're sending you a new version. And when they send a DCP file, they send it via satellite, it's it doesn't take that long. So it jury's out. We could have seen either version of it. I mean, Ryan, you say you you noticed something, but I didn't notice any weird... Well, the other thing, too, is that who's to say there aren't other... Even if the patch version, there's still potential other issues and stuff. Yeah, like, we don't know. Yeah, nature. I mean, if we're talking about patches and what patches are usually you know attributed to software and gaming and stuff right patches don't fix all bugs there's still going to be like it like just our conversation like what like it it, what it's it's a movie what do you mean you're patching a movie yeah Uh, it's so weird i mean let's let me take all our pieces of the game pieces and throw them on the table we have in recent history we have cats that went back fixed their vfx and then sent back an updated version while the movie was playing we have sonic the hedgehog which apparently they went back and reanimated the entire main character of the movie after fans saw the first trailer. And then, to a lesser extent, possibly, this relates, we have what we just talked about in our other podcast we filmed tonight. We have Rise of Skywalker, which was heavily influenced, potentially, yeah. by fan feedback from the last movie. Like, right? I mean, you put all those pieces together, it's like, alright, how far is how far are we going to go down this, this rabbit hole where Hollywood's just, like, we as a public are demanding what they do before the movie can come... You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it's such a... It, I mean, I mentioned it during our Sonic discussion, but it's it's like um, open source. It's like... Right. Uh, like open source movies. It's like, here's our... This isn't released yet. This is our alpha. <laughs> Everyone go watch it. But, but you're still paying for it, and it's still a thing. Like, 
it, it, it's, in some ways, it's actually weirdly more like theater because if you think about it, theater mm. what Cats ran on Broadway twenty five, however, whatever, on decades, right? Any right. other big play, and each one of those performances is different. And theoretically, if there's mistakes, you're going to be fixing it, right? Right. So it's that's it. That's strangely like when you think about a Broadway or live performances, and you could take it into music and other things, right? They're always right. wanting to improve. And so in some ways, that's like that's the originator of this process. That's you're seeing the process improve and play out over time naturally. But with movies, it just it I don't know, it doesn't work. Yeah, and it's interesting. I I want to bring up uh, something that was said in Imagineering Story because they were interviewing Walt Disney about Disneyland and his intentions. And he was saying, like, look, in the 30s, I made Snow White. I made the movie. I finished it you put the movie, you put it in theaters, and then it's done. You can't touch it again. You've made a finished product. He said, I wanted to make Disneyland so that I could keep working on it and keep changing it and keep improving it. But now, like, we've gotten to a point where, yeah, you can change the movie even if it's currently in theaters. That's crazy. Right. So, okay, I think... So, we were kind of looking at this as maybe, like, a unique new thing. But I don't... So, the way I am looking at this is... Well, yeah, it's an evolution. We kind of talked about that, uh, you know, from where we started or, or, or what have you. But really, I think it's more about a perception of the medium, right? We like to think of a painting or a sculpture or a album, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as a finished piece of art mm-hmm. that it, it, mm-hmm. it will o- always ever be that way. Um, maybe you'll get a version of the movie that includes special features. Okay, there's that. That's But it's, that's... Doesn't, that's, a diff- that's a different thing, right? Just like an mm-hmm. album might come with like the special edition of the album, and they might throw in a couple more tracks, right? That's not uncommon. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But the ultimate original art form is preserved in its original release, right? Right. But mm-hmm. this has started. I mean, but that idea has been drifting away, especially when it comes to uh, Disney Star Wars, right? Because Lucas has been re-editing his films for a while now. And I think there is a there was and is a public uh, not outcry is not the right word I'm looking for but disapproval and yeah. I don't do you, and I think in part because I would at least like to believe because we do believe that the art form should should have some sort of integrity and be preserved um, and now it's it's getting more and more that other direction where there's not there. For me, my perception is a lack of integrity, um, but that can be debated. Um, in that it, it's not about completing that work of art and calling it done and then trying to do better the next time you make a film or a painting and learning from the past mistakes and letting it be what it is, right? That's kind of, I think it's part of the human experience is learning from our mistakes and moving on, not trying to continuously improve and perfect the same thing over and over and over again, right? Right. Um, uh, so that that's my take on it, which I think is good and correct. But um, <laughs> but when it comes to again coming back to Disney and or not just Disney, but you know where they have the means, so they're gonna think they can make more money off of it, so they're gonna do it. Yeah, I wanna I wanna throw a couple examples out there that maybe go in one way or the other, but. Um, so J.K. Rowling wrote the Harry Potter books, and in Goblet of Fire, there's the scene in the graveyard where the thing happens, and then all the ghosts come out of Voldemort's wand. It's the ghosts of all the people that he killed, right? So in the original release, so they're supposed to come out in reverse order of when he when he uh, 
killed everybody. But in the original release, Harry's mom and dad came out in the wrong order. So a few years later, J.K. Rowling rewrote that chapter. And because it's like a touching moment and the parents talk to Harry, she had to rework some of the sentence structures and figure and kind of reshuffle some of the dialogue in that scene. But it was it's kind of a weird gray area because on one hand you're somewhat disrupting the flow of the scene and the art, but you're also patching an error, right? So if we look at we compare yeah. that to movies, right? Star Wars, you're taking like you're taking the original work and you're fundamentally changing it, either visually or the message like okay han shot first right people will argue about that forever but the whole idea like the act of him going first or second that makes a difference on his character itself whether you look at in as you look at something like cats it's like oops we forgot to cg out some shoes right Mm. and that's like the gap there that it's it's kind of like it's hard to define these things like we're talking about you know the integrity of the art form it's it's kind of all different circumstances it's it's kind of a i don't know i kind of see it as a gradient scale of what when is it when is it just like doing error repairs and when is it like we're actually fundamentally changing what the art is and should we if it's imperfect and if it has errors should we just leave it alone right i I don't know well yeah i mean it's interesting too because i mean i think it's i guess it's debatable arguable part of any discussion around art is like there's no such thing as a really perfect piece of art right so theoretically yeah. you could always be iterating i mean i think that's the kind of the internal eternal artistic struggle as any yeah. sort of creative art maker is like you're never done you could work on something till the end of time i mean there's books about that or whatever like that is and and so if you don't put some sort of end cap on that then then what's then there there's no such thing as art because it's always changing and if there's always changing there's nothing final and if there's nothing final then you can never have a statement right there then your art never says anything because it's never finished right and and so when you have these like this the the kind of the kind of ebb and flow and the constant degradation of of what we consider finished now does it undermine you know you like you said you have on the lower scale fixing errors and stuff but it doesn't undermine that vision i think it was like john carpenter or i don't know some other director some director from like maybe it was ron howard uh, i i i'm probably way off but where they did make they were talking about some one of their earlier films like films from the early 80s or 70s or something maybe it was like ridley scott with blade runner i want to say maybe it was ridley scott with blade runner or something like that and like how there's lots of issues with the original film just in terms of its editing and whatever. And they asked him like, you know, well, would you ever want to go back and edit that um, to fix it? And he's like, no, that that was the movie. Well, it definitely wasn't Ridley Scott then because he has gone back and edited it. But, um, but they said, no, I don't because that, that was what I made. Mistakes and all, the mistakes are as integral a part of that piece of art as anything else. And I think that is something too that shouldn't be undervalued or understated that the mistakes you know, for what they are, they are a part of what we make and there's meaning to those mistakes. And I think if we just constantly are are cleaning them up, quote unquote, or fixing them or changing them, you lose the value of those elements too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree. I I know there's a quote somewhere out there that's something about like, how do you know when art is done? Like if you're an artist, how do you know when it's completed? And there's some, I, I was actually, I was just Googling and I can't, find it unfortunately but yeah there's some thing right where there's like i was finding some things where it's like like a good piece of art is like a conversation where you 
it there's no such thing as a perfect conversation, right? It, it has a natural ebb and flow, and when it ends, if it's a good conversation, it'll end naturally. And that's what, you know, when you're done with art, you move on. And if there's mistakes, that's fine. You learn from those mistakes, yeah. and you try to make a better one the next time around. And, and honestly, like you're kind of saying is – we it's kind of like the sum of our imperfections is kind of what makes us all perfect or i mean as individual human beings right like there's no such thing as a perfect human being but we grow to love each other because in part of because of our imperfections right that's what makes us unique and interesting if if you made a perfect piece of art like if you programmed a robot to make art it would probably be really boring right Mm -hmm. um like in that movie chappie what a (laughs) terrible artist that chappie was god dang it chappie ugh Anyway, so I, 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 I am very much opposed to the idea of of these corrections to things in general. I mean, the J.K. Rowling instance is a very, very interesting one. That's a, well, that, that's a really yeah. fun one that we could debate. But uh, I like it because, yeah, there's every film you're going to find mistakes, like coffee cups being left out. Um, in episode four, the stormtrooper hits his head on the door, right? I love that. I, I love watching yeah. that scene. I love it. And I would hate if that got removed. Anyway, that's, yeah. 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 It's part of the charm, yeah. right? It's part of the charm of that piece of art. Oh. I, I, I like how you, the, 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 the comparison to a conversation, like, because uh, I love that idea because it, it would be like the idea of a conversation that you have and then looking back on it and going, oh, I should have said that. And so then trying to get that person, hey, hey, let's have this conversation again. I want to <laughs> yeah. like I was going to I have something cooler to say now. Like how right. how just like so like ugh, gross that would be. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of the sense I get with some of these like going back and fixing these things. And it's like. Okay, sure, it's a mistake, but ugh, just the, it's kind of gross. Like we don't need to. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, again, that's it, maybe it's a little judgy and like very kind of hoity-toity to have a very absolute view like that. And obviously, as someone who works in games and <laughs> constantly releases patches for stuff, I obviously understand that other side too. So, um, but I love that uh, cats. The movie Cats has brought us to this conversation. I was just going to say, are we still talking about Cats? Oh my god. (laughs) That fever dream? Alright. But, boy, this was was what started as a train wreck of an episode turned into something else entirely, let me tell you. (laughs) A beautiful train wreck, just like the movie. You can't look away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By by the way, Vince, are you still alive? Yeah, I'm still alive. Oh, God. uh... Vince has been jellical catted away. He's floating away on a hot air balloon as we speak. Ah, finally. I mean, look, I I saw the movie. I experienced it. I mean, like, it's almost... My thoughts on it are almost indescribable. I think you guys have covered pretty much it. Um, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. And that's all. But I can if you to see it, you'll watch. But if you ask to see it, yeah, I'd be happy to go. But see I would, again. I would see it again with my best friends. Oh. At a midnight, at a midnight screening where we can scream at the screen and throw stuff and, <laughs> yes. and wear cat costumes. I want to go. Exactly. Yeah, that's Look, the other I, thing. You mentioned all the margaritas and like being with your friends. Key to that is being in a fairly empty theater. I feel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But as it as yeah. it since it came up, I really do hope and like. 10 20 years from now this is this turns into a midnight cult classic i could totally see that happening and i would I, to- totally participate yeah, i fun. hadn't really thought about it but yeah i think you're right because it, it I, I know i have to see the movie again to see if it has enough 
true insanity to yeah because you really do have it has to kind of be so over the top that it's every moment of it is just this and i think entertaining well i I think although it was in our in our viewing there were what six other people on the screening two people walked out after 20 minutes another people walked out after like 90 minutes they were so close to the end yeah and then they walked out with like 10 minutes left and then two people stayed with us the whole time yes We we made it. We made it all the way to yes. the end. But we, sure uh, we survived to the end of the movie and to the end of 2019. We've survived the decade, everyone. And this is very likely the last movie I'll see in a movie theater in uh, this decade. So there yep, you go. Before the um, machines attack. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I you know, and uh, realistically, we're about to enter January, which is a wasteland of films. Uh, I'm probably not going to go to the movies again until sonic the hedgehog <laughs> and that'll be a whole other philosophical conversation well we could yeah continue this ongoing <laughs> cultural artistic debate over film yes through the worst um, possible movies <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right well listeners tune in i think that's as much as we can talk about with this uh, am i uh, i'm yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah right. Send us on to the new millennium. All right. Well, we'll, well, that has been our conversation of the film adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats. Um, this has been after the credits, the Young Chunks podcast, the fiftieth me anniversary. Um, we've got some things coming up, mainly the Chunkies, as we mentioned before. We're going to have a form that you can vote on. Uh, it should be in the episode description of this episode, also just floating around our various social medias. So find the link, click on it, take a couple minutes out of your day and and, and fill it out, why don't you? And then stay tuned for uh, our next episode in a few weeks where we'll talk about all the faves and we'll have a good old look back on 2019, whatever the heck this year was. So uh, there you go. Any last, any last thoughts? Any last words? Any last anything? This has been a long night of podcasting. Yeah. The dead speak. Oh no! And cats, cats and dead people are speaking tonight. Uh, yeah, go catch our Rise of Skywalker episode too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Rise of Skywalker episodes out simultaneously. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It, it gets it it gets heated. Maybe I don't know. There's a lot of conflicting mm-hmm. views views on there. Yeah, that's it. Um, we did it all. We survived. Chris, we'll bring you back in the new year. You'll. We'll put you on a weird monkey crane. Chris is puppet you No, 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 no. Chris isn't coming back. He's the one that ascended in the hot air balloon. Oh wait, Chris has ascended. Oh. Yeah. He's, He's the, the true Jellico cat. Jellico, Jellico, Jellico. Skimble shanks. Skimble shanks. The moon Good song. Always. All right, I, I'm ready to not be Rumble broadcasting. Peter, you've turned off now, Skimble Shanks, I can get into. <laughs> Wait, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. <laughs> Jenny Endy Dots, the old Gumby Cat. <laughs> what is a Gumby Cat? This has been After the <laughs> a Young Chunks podcast. <laughs>